Hello and welcome to another episode of Factory Reboot. I'm Pavan Lazumdar, Automation Alley COO, stepping in for Tom Kelly as your host. Today we're discussing the rise of artificial intelligence in connected and autonomous vehicles, as well as AI's emerging role on factory floors. You can follow Factory Reboot on SoundCloud, iTunes, or at automationalley.com forward slash factory reboot. You can also follow us on Twitter at Automation Alley. I'm joined by Bill Bone, Chief Technology Officer for Ares Corporation's Automotive Division. Bill just completed a presentation on AI here at Automation Alley as part of our Tech Takeover series. Welcome, Bill. Thank you very much. Please so, be here. So, Bill, I'm, I must say the, the content that I heard at the Tech Takeover was absolutely fascinating, um, and uh, uh, particularly some of the, the questions we're going to get into in, in a few minutes. But, but why don't we start by... Uh, uh, asking you to tell us a little bit about Aris and the type of technology services you provide for your customers. Well, um, I, Aris is an open product management software and solutions provider, and our, our headquarters are located in Boston, Massachusetts, but we also have offices in Japan, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, France, and also the UK. In addition to our corporate headquarters in Massachusetts, we also have a regional office here in Troy, Michigan, that's focused directly on automotive. We have currently a little over 300 employees, 50% or so of those people are in product development. Uh, we're very proud of our business momentum. We have a 46% compounded annual growth rate over the past three years, plus we have uh, plan, we plan for around 55% in this year too, 2018. And currently there are over 1,000 companies that are running the Aris Open platform, and another 300 are, and plus of those companies are also running our subscription service. Great. Thank, thanks for that background, Bill. So uh, let's get right into it. AI has the potential to revolutionize the way we think about transportation, and we've seen a lot about that in the news. What are some of the newest AI in-vehicle trends? What's being integrated today, and, and what can we expect in the next few years? Well, there's multiple twin, uh, uh, trends that we can uh, ch chat about. But one of the ones that I really want to be able to talk to first is um, some of the work that's coming out of the West Coast, in particular the spinoff companies out of the Stanford University area. Um, they are, we're seeing tremendous amounts of innovation that are coming out this particular year in AI platforms, both in the software and the hardware. <clears throat> and Dave Patterson, who is uh, um, one of the uh, top leaders out there, and he's a uh, professor emeritus with, Stan with uh, Berkeley, uh, he has uh, j just said that 2018 is going to be the year for AI platforms. And what, you have to say, well, what does that really mean? Uh, so many of these technology breakthroughs are going to be productized this year at a scale that's needed for upcoming connected and autonomous vehicles. The, another one of the trends that we're seeing is that AI growth by 2025 McKinsey, uh, in one of the recently published studies, is talking about a global market potential um, of approximately $215 billion for all of these OEMs. That's a tremendous growth number to be able to go through, and I think it's very ripe for investment. Um, with regard to the earlier statement I made about these VC, with the Silicon Valley area, uh, there's VCs are currently 15 or so new companies that have just popped into the uh, horizon this past year that are all focused upon uh, creating new AI solutions for driverless vehicles. And unfortunately for the greater Detroit area here, 80% of those are in the Silicon Valley area. 
So uh, one of the things I think we have to do is uh, also we have to learn to focus on both the short term and the long term. And, uh, you know, the long-term plays um, are, need to be built upon short-term successes. I think it's very important uh, in AI as we start that out. And I think that we're also starting to see that uh, the companies who's, who've, who have made AI more of a software play than a hardware play, I think that they're re realizing the benefits of that sooner. Great. Well, thank you for that. And, and well, it just leads me to my next question. If 2018 is going to be, as you say, sort of the inflection point in, in, some, in some ways, where, what are we doing relative to autonomous vehicles affecting the safety for drivers and passengers um, and the public? Um, in your um, uh, talk today, you mentioned a couple of the incidents. And, and you know, as a layperson, it sort of uh, looks to me like there's this you know, one of the things we're struggling with is this human AI integration. Where does the AI sort of, uh, you know, give control back to the human, and, and what are we doing about that? Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes, I'm glad. I'm glad to do that. Um, <clears throat> there have been several incidents. One as even as uh, as recent as last night. Uh, uh, unfortunately, some of the, the names that are coming up are one and the same names around Uber and Tesla, for example. You're not hearing this out of Waymo and some of the other guys. Um, and I think that uh, that um, that probably needs some observation and more discussion in that particular area. But of these problems that we're having, what we are seeing is an overall system failure as compared to a specific uh, technology failure. Um, we have, uh, whether it's handoff from the AI uh, engines and from the sensor-based systems, and the knowledge that it has, passing it over to the driver, um, you know, that was one of the key um, problems that we had uh, in the Tempe, uh, Arizona Uber incident. Uh, other ones that have, 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 have had problems in this whole area of inference, where you, you're trying to determine what do I do now based upon the knowledge that I'm getting from my sensors, and you're coming back with wrong answers. Um, fire trucks get hit. Last night, for example, this police vehicle was hit, unoccupied. Um, th there's a lot of those kind of things. So I think that we have these system problems where a lot of the components, they work as advertised, but the whole uh, system, com whole system validation, uh, especially with the human in the loop, uh, particular kind of validation needs to be improved. Um, the other thing I would just, uh, also like to add here is that uh, GM has a saying uh, regarding their vision in this area. Um, uh, Mary uh, Barra says, who's their chairman and CEO, says, we have the ambition, the talent, and the technology to create a world of zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. I took that directly off their website. Um, that, that's a really, really powerful um, statement to me, and it really means that OEMs need to line up behind us because a lot of that is safety-related in terms of what it wants to be. And anyone who's ever worked in automotive knows that safety is the absolute top-tier thing that we need to be able to get into. So we do need to be able to uh, uh, determine uh, and make these cars as fully safe and secure as we can get them on the road. So. Great. Well, thank you for that. And then that leads into the next question, which is we just talked about physical safety, but what about security in, in terms of information security when it comes to all these connected and autonomous vehicles? Oh, well, my biggest concern um, about all of automotive development in this particular area is cybersecurity. Yeah, cybersecurity is the absolute biggest threat to connected autonomous uh, um, 
and connected vehicles. Frankly, if, if a vehicle is not secure, it's not safe. And we've seen that, uh, you know, with the Jeep incident and other incidents that have happened out there. And um, I think that there's, this has been undervalued as a whole as a problem. I think it's a very, very complex problem. And I think that uh, the attack profile is so large, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, it's extension of, uh, you know, some of the things we did around the OBD port. You know, we've got to make it better. That's, that couldn't be further the truth. These, uh, many of these new connected and autonomous vehicles connect, contain over 100 uh, electronic control units, commonly called an ECU, with code uh, that's running and in these particular units uh, in, at around 100 million lines of code. It's, it's an industry estimate that I'm using there. So this presents a massive attack mm -hmm. surface. Um, um, it's much, much, um, much, much more difficult than uh, what we've seen in the past. Uh, but, but in reality, that isn't even all the problem because um, of autonomous vehicles are mobile devices, so we also bring in all of those same kind of cybersecurity concerns mm -hmm. around mobility uh, that we see in phones and, um, and other kind of devices. And there's also this thing of um, uh, GPS signals and all these sensors that are creating data. If we can uh, you know, go in there and if we can manage that data to where it's wrong, you can create right. lots of problems. So this is a very complex problem. The other really big factor that's making cybersecurity so difficult is the rate of change and keeping the vehicle configuration under full control uh, because we're changing software much more quickly than we are the mechanical and electrical parts. Software needs to be updated, so we have to make sure that, you know, as these updates and things go on, that the overall integrity of the vehicle, especially around safety, is maintained. Well, well, thanks for that. Um, what about what's happening today? So, you know, when we talk about AI implementation, what are some of the barriers that you're seeing in vehicle development, and, and what are some of the integration approaches that you're seeing from automakers? Well, first and foremost, uh, skills required to develop, validate, deploy, and operate uh, these, it, it, it's not there, um, especially around functional safety. Um, I had a recent conference that I was talking about, I was talking about more about, um, you know, how do we get people and skills in this particular area uh, because, um, it, you know, they, the university is not turning them out, but there's not a huge um, group of people that we can go through and actually train and retrain in that area. Second major barrier is the lack of confidence by the buying public and also, um, in my own opinion, it's going to be the uh, confidence on, and the selling capability of dealerships. Uh, it's going to be very easy to say, um, you know, for example, a person uh, wants some of the, uh, the systems, it says, uh, can you tell me why I need to have that? And uh, I think that, you know, just very simple questions like that, if you don't have the confidence to be able to go through and sell this, especially some of these premium prices that are being asked for these vehicles, uh, you're going to see that that will pr present its own uh, type of challenges. Um, I don't think dealers, for example, are going to be able to package the technology into meaningful features. You know, uh, can it stop you faster? Well, how does that differ from sensors out there that, you know, that we have today? How can it avoid this wreck? I'm, I can be faster than uh, this vehicle making my own decisions. So getting that packaged correctly and getting purchasers in there to where they're not as skeptical is going to be a difficult situation. Um, third, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, in barriers, this whole thing of complexity of functional safety, 
Uh, as I mentioned in the talk in there, these vehicles today, uh, they have the computing power of su supercomputing, making decisions. How do you test a system that's making decisions so fast as a supercomputer and all those combinations of things? How do you actually test that you are making the right decision and giving the right set of controls and, um, to this vehicle to be able to drive you down the road, for example, or to react in adverse situations? Um, those are those are some of the key uh, barriers that I'm seeing. Great, great. Thank, thanks for that. That that does provide a lot of perspective. We think we, it looks like we have a little ways to go, but but I guess with the next question, it, we might be um, we might be a little bit closer because, as you know, Automation Alley, we focus on Industry 4.0. We really talk about how you know uh, these technologies are impacting manufacturing. And could you talk a little bit about how AI is? Uh, used in building cars and smarter factories, and then um, sort of uh, picking up from some of the, the, the material you, you presented today, how does Aeris's product innovation platform fit into that? Uh, the digital thread, digital twin that you talked about. And then um, you know, once the, the car leaves the factory, uh, how is AI going to be used in service? Good. That's a, a good set of questions to go through. Let me start with um, talking a little bit about um, the what we're seeing in AI and manufacturing today and the great improvements that we're actually starting to see there, and then I'll chime in more on the, uh, the ARIS part a little bit later. But um, AI has a great capability to improve employee and functional safety in a plant. You know, um, all these vehicles, um, that all the perception capability that they're getting uh, with all these sensors, uh, positioning and things like that, we can use that kind of same kind of technology inside of plants to make plants much safer than where they're at today. We can speed things up uh, because we know what the point, what the employee is going to be doing, you know, after learning how they do their job and things like that. We can optimize that to where it's better. We can detect and we can detect patterns, whether it's around safety or whether it's around um, material delivery or whether it's around uh, line utilization. There's so many things that we're going to see patterns when we're getting all of this data that makes that uh, plant much safer and also a much more efficient plant. Uh, second thing is that we're seeing um, the impact of AI in the supply chain. Um, I think that this is probably one of the most underutilized, uh, undervalued areas because there's a lot of efficiency and productivity gains that can be made in the supply chain. Um, I, th I think a lot of this has been treated as financial material based in the past with a contract gluing everything together with a, a big bow around the end if you get a, a, a vendor's award you know, for doing real good service. I think that's all going to dramatically change because um, AI will be able to bring things like weather, uh, rant, Twitter rants, uh, it's going to be able to go through and bring in things like electricity outages, fuel prices. It's going to be able to, terrorist activities, it can be able to go through and bring all of those kind of things and detect patterns around that. And it can make pr predictions. And it, obviously, as we know, the more we teach it and learn it and the information that we give it to make its decisions, uh, it's going to be better. Um, also, I think this thing about um, supply chain, uh, we've seen much that's been written about service maintenance around predictive analysis, customer acceptance, um, those kind of things. Um, I'm not going to repeat a lot of that, but um, I think, uh, for example, around customer acceptance of your product, um, there's a recent study that was completed by um, a study firm in New York City that analyzed Twitter um, 
rants uh, and Twitter conversations about stock, and they could actually start predicting the stock market movement for that particular security. Mm -hmm. Okay, what, how do we apply that same kind of intelligence to our products and how we get our products to be much better? Uh, I think those are uh, some great areas, for example, after the vehicle is sold, that we can um, do that. And then finally, uh, there's just a plain old uh, making your uh, product better. And um, this past month, um, Autodesk and GM made a major announcement in AI on generative de design technology, uh, basically letting AI go and giving its boundary conditions and its variables that what you want it to be able to look at, and it will go and create scenarios and create designs to be able to go through and do that. And they're seeing a lot of positive results from that. So AI can fit um, and be very applicable uh, from any of these areas that we've talked about here. With regard to the second part of your question about where does, AI, where does ARIS fit into this, um, we have a product internet innovation platform that we like to be able to go through and put all of our data on it and be able to go through, stretch the data models so that it meets those customer expectations and uh, meets those customer uh, usage profiles that they're trying to set up. And then we can actually do all of it in a single space. We can use one change in configuration management process. We can connect one set of digital threads. We can create digital twins uh, from these uh, areas uh, that where we can go and scrape those digital threads to be able to go and get the access to the metadata and the data for that particular area. So we're excited about that. Uh, we have uh, a lot of confidence in our platform to be able to go through and solve a lot of these problems that we have today. Great. Well, thank you, Bill. And just the last question, how do people find out more about ARIS? Uh, please uh, go to our website, www.aris.com. Um, that'll get you anywhere you want to be able to go. And obviously, if you're in the uh, Troy, Michigan area, please feel free to contact me. Uh, my uh, email address is bbone, B-B-O-N-E, at aris.com. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, so thank you for joining us, Bill. And for those listening, remember, Automation Alley hosts tech takeovers every Wednesday at our Troy headquarters. To learn more about AI and other Industry 4.0 topics, including robotics, IIoT, big data, and more, visit automationalley.com to register for an upcoming session. Again, if you like what you heard today, subscribe to Factory Reboot on SoundCloud, iTunes, or at automationalley.com forward slash factory reboot. Thank you.